Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 20 of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. My name is Clayton Croker, coming to you from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Same goes with the guy to my left. We have Justin, don't call me Mr. Anderson. We're both drinking. Big shout out to Great Western for their delicious prairie white beer that they have now. It's Got awesome. Original 16 for me. That's my favorite beer. I went girly. This is a really kind of girly a, beer. but I like those too. It's a good breakfast beer. Why are we giving Great Western free advertising? Maybe they'll sponsor us. Maybe. Fingers That's a crossed. Hint. Great Western. Come on, Great Western. We love free stuff. Uh, joining us via Skype, uh, the Maritime Mistress Maker, the President, Founder, CEO, CFO, Treasurer, Secretary of the Allen Doyle Fan Club, uh, Patrick Marsh. How's it going, bud? It's going great. I got a can of Dr. Pepper because I don't drink alcohol. But. Um... I think we're we're having a hell of a time here, all three of us. Are, Making us are feel real with, guilty now. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I felt like he was trying to shame me. I was like, Just I, a couple of drunks over here. I was telling him about my weekend, which was the liquor field romp down in Swift Current for a Kinsman convention. And uh, now I feel bad how much, about how much liquor I drank. To be fair, if you have to go to Swift Current, you need to be drunk to handle Swift Current. Can confirm. Can't confirm. All right. Well, I think Patrick's the only sober person in the Maritimes ever, so he can add that to his resume right there. Yeah. Patrick Marsh, Maritime Mistress Maker, Alan sober. Doyle, everything. Sober in the Maritimes. <laughs> that doesn't happen a lot. Um, shout out to Des Moines, Iowa. Shout out to uh, Boulder, Colorado. Shout out to Montana. Shout out to a bunch of places. Siam, thanks for listening. Um, again, we're all over the uh, internet machine, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Just look up Batflips Maple Dips. If you want to listen to the podcast, if you haven't subscribed to us, you should. Uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, TuneIn, Stitcher. Still don't know what Stitcher is, but that's okay. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun on the show today. We're talking about uh, the Blue Jays, of course, who should be their manager for the upcoming season. We're going to take a look at the uh, championship series in both the American and National Leagues. We're going to take a look at the World Series coming up, and we'll do some other things, I'm sure. I mean, we already got off topic for a good three minutes, so... Who knows what's going to come up? Uh, yes. Let's get down to some baseball, though, because uh, rumors are swirling about the Blue Jays manager search. I'll kick off the episode with this for you guys. Are you happy with some of the names that are circulating for the position of Blue Jays manager? Let's start with Patrick. Um, I don't know. I'm, like, very, very mixed because, like, on one hand, some of these are, like, very sexy inside baseball type of picks. Uh, the three names we're going to look at today are all younger guys who have varying degrees of success. And I don't, I just, I don't know. I don't know what to expect that gone are the days where like, there's no Bobby Cox out there. Mm -hmm. There's no, you know, like there's no Gibby. There's no like non Gibby version of Gibby. We can go <laughs> after. There's no, there's no La Tony LaRussa. There's no. Tommy Lasorda, there's just there's there's no sexy like icons out there looking for a job. So that's the only time. Kinda... That's the only time Lasorda and sexy are going to be mentioned in the same sentence right there. So <laughs> enjoy that one. Yeah, that's a that's a reach there. That's a hot take. Yeah. <laughs> Justin, what about you? The manager search for the Jays so far. Are you surprised at the names that are surfacing or no? I'm honestly a bit underwhelmed. I mean. This, this goes along with the same lines that Patrick said. There's just no, there's no big names. Like, who the heck is Joe Espada? We all know Rocco Baldelli from his time with the Tampa Bay Rays mm -hmm. um, back in the day when they were still the Devil Rays. 
Um, and Stubby Clap obviously is Canadian, and he has a great name. Like Stubby Clap, that'd be a, that's a cool guy. Like, that's a baseball name. That's a baseball name right there. Like that's like a movie. That's like a Bull Durham something from Bull Durham mm-hmm. right there, Major League. But uh, I don't know. I'm just a little bit underwhelmed that these are the three guys that seem to be left in the running. There, there are there were rumors that there's if there's five people and there's one of them is an unnamed internal candidate, who many still speculate to be John Schneider, who mm-hmm. was managing the Fisher Cats this this last season. But I don't think he's going to be the one who is chosen, much to the chagrin of me personally. But uh, I don't know. Out of those three guys, I think it's kind of a, a toss-up. Flip a coin, a three-sided coin, if you have one, and pick one of them. I think we should start a uh, exhale of disgust count here on <laughs> Batflips and Maple Dips. I've been listening to a couple of episodes, <laughs> and Patrick and Justin, whenever things get really bad, when there's like a, a difficult question between two people, it's always like the, ah, you know? Like, it's always just a, ah, I don't know. I don't know. We should start a counter for that. Watch because... for the uh, Year in Review Batflips episode. We'll have how many times Patrick has fired someone into the sun, yeah. and how many times I have exhaled disappointedly. So many disappointed <laughs> exhales. Like, I swear it's like 17 times an episode because the Jays are very, I can't very wait for the uh, Kevin Pillar gets shit on section of that recap oh, show yeah. and how and just you getting mad at us. Yeah. It's going to be great. <laughs> Patrick, make sure you look out for that. Every time there's a uh, exhale of disgust, we got to start counting it, okay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm about to... to do another one because... I'm self-conscious now. Uh, I really don't Rocco Baldelli to be the, uh, yeah. the one we pick. Does anybody? And... Apparently, Shapiro and Atkins like him. Yes, they like his toughness, and they both consider the Rays and the Astros as like these ahead-of-the-curve type of teams that are progressive with how they're promoting their managers or how they're managing in general. Bullpenning, I'm telling you. The thing in the future, Kevin Cash is doing it. Well, the three names, the three it. names that are circulating around: uh, Joe Espada, Stubby Clap, Rocco Baldelli. Those yeah. are the three big names there. Out of those three, who is the best option? Is it Baldelli? Mm, I think Baldelli's third on that list, hmm. in my opinion. Patrick, do you I agree? Would, I would rank them Espada, Clap, Baldelli. Hmm. No, I actually I disagree with Justin, but it's not. It's let me try to explain it a little bit. The guy I think is most capable at this point in his career is Joe Espada. And the reason why is because, number one, he's a champion. Number two, I just sneezed off camera (laughs) or off mic, whatever. Off camera. There we go. Oh, my God. We're all sick now. We are all sick, by the way. Like, I might have a coughing attack. Justin might have a coughing attack. Patrick might have a coughing attack. Yeah, man, just gargle some Dr Pepper. You'll be fine. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, Spot I think is the most capable right now. He's the Astros bench coach, which means he has MLB success. Um, he's been in the organization a little while. He also did some coaching uh, with the 2017 World Baseball Classic uh, Puerto Rican team, which, as you all know, was like the hot and sexy pick that made it all the way to the finals before it got dummied. By the Americans, eight nothing. Marcus Stroman. Um, and again, it's another situation where Shapiro and Atkins view the Astros as both like progressive and advanced, uh, like in a few different ways, like how they're coaching. I think Stubby Clap is very underrated. He's back to back PCL, which is like Triple A yeah. uh, Manager of the Year. So. 
and he's Canadian born and there's something to be said about bringing in like a, a spicy Canadian and also, you know, like successful manager. It's like a perfect storm, but I think Rocco is probably the number two choice uh, in this case because, again, he's coming from a pro- like a progressive organization and he has this unique job that doesn't really exist or didn't exist uh, not too long ago where he's a field coordinator mm-hmm. and he's helping a lot of the Rays with defensive positioning and uh, especially in the outfield, and you'll recall that one of the best positional outfielders in the game currently plays in Tampa Bay in the form of Kevin Kiermaier. And they're going to have Austin Meadows up next year, probably for the whole year, and he's going to be an excellent rookie. And there's a lot, there's a lot of positives on Rocco's uh, resume, but it's just it's frustrating because like there's just not none of these guys have like managerial success at an MLB level. They're all like not quite there. So it's almost like a not quite ready manager is going to come into a not quite ready Jays team Mm -hmm. and they'll grow together. Maybe that's the point. What do you think? I don't think that we should go with someone who doesn't have managerial experience. At any level, right? At any level. So we should get someone who can win – even if that's not at the major league level, at least they know what's win- what winning is like. Because when you get that winning culture in a locker room, that does wonders. And when you have a guy running the ship who knows how to win, even if it's not on the highest level, at least he knows how to win. At least he knows how to get there, you know? Baldelli yeah. doesn't know how to lead a team as Espada and Clap do because they have managerial experience. Maybe Espada's isn't a long list of teams he's managed. I mean, the Puerto Rican team, whatever. Yeah. But Stubby Clap, you got to think, is the favorite because, again, he has managed very, very successful ball teams. And if you look at our team... In the, for the future, in the next two or three years, we're going to have a lot of young guys on our team. Who have A lot won, of rookies so. who have won, but still a lot of rookies who don't know the ropes and the ins and outs of True. Major League Baseball. Yeah. So they're going to want a manager who knows how to win and knows how to guide them. So I think out of those guys, that's why I think Stubby Clap is the choice. I wouldn't go with Stubby Clap personally. I think they should get someone better. But out of those three names, I think Stubby Clap is the favorite. Let's hear wild card predictions. What about guys not on this list? Maybe not even on the radar. Let's hear a couple names you guys think might make a push. John Snyder. Yeah. I know, like we kind of shot that down a little bit uh, <clears throat> earlier, but I think they're still probably keeping his resume close to the top of the pile for sure. Or they're keeping it aside. He's obviously the thing is like. Internally, he's the best choice. Uh, if you stack him up against these three guys, I don't think John Snyder even stacks up against one of these three guys that we just talked about. But this is an opportunity for a manager to grow with a team, with the players he's managed. Mm-hmm. And that could create some very positive uh, cultural shifts in Toronto. That's fair. I mean... We, we just talked about winning, and, and Schneider's done that mm-hmm. the last two years with Double A New Hampshire and High A Dunedin the year before with the same group of players, essentially. Um, Bobby Meacham's our AAA manager in Buffalo. He was he got an interview at the start. Whether or not he's still in the race is remains to be seen, but he's also seen a lot of these young guys who've come out through our system the last couple of seasons as well. So 
I wouldn't I wouldn't rule either of those two guys out. One, they're going to get a managerial job in the future. I think John Schneider is more likely to get a MLB job sooner rather than later. The Jays are going to have to work really hard to keep him in the organization. Yeah. Because obviously he knows how to run a team and win. I mean, he's been given a lot of high-end talent, but it still takes somebody with the brains to put them all in the right spots and put them together. Like he's helping Kevon Vigio get better at right field. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, you want a guy who's experienced with dealing with a lot of star players because yeah. our future is bright for the Jays. We need someone who can manage that talent. And if you're familiar with the talent, mm-hmm. I mean, he knows all about Bichette. He knows about Guerrero. He knows about Biggio. He knows their habits. He knows yeah. their routine. That would be a huge plus. I think he is a wild card. For sure. I'm going to throw the, a couple names out here. A couple former Jays. How about Ed Sprague? His name was being floated around at the start. I think that was just kind of like a... Token. Okay, kind of whatever, Ed Sprague. What about Johnny Mack? Yeah, he was in there too. Johnny Mack was rumored for a bit. So Johnny Mack doesn't have any experience I'd like to see him as like an infield he? coach. Yeah. Because that's what he Yeah, played. I would love to see him as an infield coach. I just want to see him a part of the Jays again because he was It'd one of my cool. favorite Jays of yeah. all time. He'd definitely be a, a fan favorite. And I think the players would have a lot of respect for, for Johnny Mack too, just based on the type of career he had as a mm-hmm. bit of a journeyman. Um not never the best player on a team, but always one of the better guys. Yeah, um, and that's that's invaluable to have on, on a major league coaching staff as well. So. so, what would you guys rather hear? Would you rather the Jays go out of the franchise to hire someone, or would you rather they look in the franchise and the minors and hire someone? Because when we go out of the franchise and hire someone, it hasn't gone great for us. Yeah, looking at you, John Farrell. <laughs> um, so. I think we we haven't really promoted from within a lot, have we? We always kind of go outside the franchise to hire, It sure right? seems that way. And, I mean, a guy like Schneider would be awesome to have um, because he played in our minor league system before he became a coach with us, too. Mm-hmm. Like he's He's been in our, in our system since the early 2000s. Like he is a, a Blue Jays organization lifer, essentially. His whole professional playing and coaching career has been with one franchise. Mm-hmm. And that's very valuable that he's – not only stuck around that long, but still continues to have success. So I'm 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 honestly surprised that he hasn't been closer to the top of this of this list that we're supposedly seeing in the media. Um, I'm not leaving it out of the question that though he'll be he'll be a surprise kind of choice if he does get picked. Patrick, do you think they promote from within, or do they go out and get someone? I think that John Snyder's job in triple a isn't done yet or in he or he's not in triple he's, he's in double a yeah. yeah right sorry i don't think his job is done yet i think there's still a lot of guys coming up that'll find his management style very useful remember that jordan groshans is still like a few years away from being a few years away like mm-hmm. he's only 18 years old same with adam Kloffenstein. like i just feel like there's still a lot of guys who are going to be a few years away from coming up and it would kind of suck for us to promote from within only to have him fail for a few years and then be on a short leash to start with. I was thinking about this a little bit while you guys were chatting and the idea of promoting from within seems like a long-term solution while right now it's kind of like this team has to transition and there are still some players who were stuck with whether we like it or not, who we're going to have to pay a lot of money to next year. And we're just going to have to like suck it up. And I think it's just going to be like a wasted year. So whoever gets hired is probably a sacrificial lamb. Although I really think they should just wipe the entire coaching staff and pay Paul Molitor, whatever money 
he needs to be paid to come in to be the hitting coach. I would love that. I would even love it if Paul Molitor came in <laughs> as the manager because I think he's very capable, and he proved that in uh, Minnesota. So would you guys like it if we brought in Stubby Clap for the next two years, kind of just to maybe put butts in the seats, get people excited about Blue Jay baseball again? Like, hey, we got a Canadian manager, Stubby Clap, you know, national team shortstop. Yeah. Bring him in for two years during these transition periods, and then we maybe promote from within? Would that be the strategy that maybe Atkins and Shapiro look at? I think uh, that's probably in the back of their minds a little bit. I, I don't think you ever hire a manager with the intention of firing him in two seasons or moving on right away. You'd, you'd probably hope that he would do something that would wow you and make it impossible for you to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. But I think that's probably got to be a at least a thought in their minds right now during this search is that this might not be a solution for more than a couple of seasons, especially if it goes poorly. I mean, we saw we almost saw Gabe Kapler get fired two weeks into the season with the Phillies with how brutal they started because <laughs> mm-hmm. he was doing some weird, weird things. And then it paid off for them until they inevitably fall apart in September. But there's there's always those bit of a, of a growing thing. And I'm thinking this is a situation where no one is expecting the Jays to be remotely competitive the next season, maybe the next two seasons. So this manager could come in and win 50 games and probably have his job safe yeah. for another year. Agreed. Yeah. I want to ask you guys a question. Imagine this scenario where we build up like our coaching staff from the ground up. Mm-hmm. And we do kind of go with this idea of like picking guys that we've worked with in the past. So we'll say like our hitting or our hitting coach, Paul Molitor, our there pitching coach. Um, who can we like dig deep? Um, Josh Towers. God no. No. Ricky Fuck Romero. No. You know what? Ricky um, Romero even wouldn't like be that if, bad of a pitching coach. He really teaches them how to Even if Estrada thinks his career is done, imagine Marco Estrada as our pitching coach. Oh, is that bad? Change-ups coach. Yeah. <laughs> Marco Estrada. Yeah. Something <laughs> like that, but like an infield coach being... Johnny Mack. Uh, Johnny Mack, and then an outfield coach, maybe... Shannon Jason, Stewart. Jason Bay. Shannon Stewart. <laughs> Jason Bay, yeah. Larry Walker. Just like dig real deep, someone like that, or maybe Jesse Barfield. We should bring in or... a whole coaching staff of just Canadians. No. <laughs> no. What I'm trying to suggest, though, Brett is Lurie, like it is, it's very viable that Paul Molitor could find himself in a coaching or management job in Toronto. Do you think that the team could roll with something like that? And is that enough to put butts in seats, but also be competitive? I don't. I don't think the coaching staff is ever the ones who put butts in seats, but there's there, there's, there's a sigh. One. There's another sigh. Patrick's at three, by the way. <laughs> we're keeping track. Yeah, we're keeping track. Uh, <laughs> we should get a tally sheet, or a little whiteboard, or something. I but, got one uh, in my head. Don't worry. Okay, yeah. perfect. Anyways, back to my my thought. I I don't know. I don't think the coaching staff is why people go to games. Uh, unless it's to see Gibbons get tossed, but that only happens seven or eight times a season. So, I mean, I think this is just, we're going to see what happens. I, it's completely up in the air, in my opinion, of who is going to get picked. We're just, we're, we're speculating where, where there's really not much to speculate on at this point because we haven't been given much information. That's the thing. Did Paul Molitor even get uh, an interview? I don't or... think so, but he may have. Would Paul Molitor want to come coach the Jays, though? I don't see why yes. he wouldn't. I mean... Is this a sexy job in the MLB, you think, coming to coach the Jays? Like, think... Do you think some managers who are out there that are like have options? 
Like some managers that have four or five offers are sitting there thinking, oh, that Toronto job, I'm, I'm seriously considering that one. You have the best prospect oh, in yeah. baseball coming up. It's true. Yeah, two, two years from now, it'll be the sexiest job in baseball. But right now, it stinks because you know that you're going to have a shitty year next year because you got to <laughs> deal with, you know, Russell Martin <laughs> and his massive contract, the ghost of Troy Tulowitzki. Um, Kendris Morales, like if I'm Paul Molitor, I'm like, yeah, I'll sit through like a 65 win season. If it means getting my hands on, like teaching the fundamentals of contact hitting to like Bo Bichette, Kavon Biggio and (laughs) Vladimir Guerrero, all those guys can mash already. But imagine having like a career 300 hitter who hit 3000 hits, who's in the hall of fame. And also like is a God of OBP. (laughs) Yeah. I think another I, thing I, on the I like it. on the other on the minds of these guys, I think of the uh, possible manager candidates. They might be thinking, "Do I really want to go to a team who has to play the Red Sox and the Yankees Too many as much times. as they do a year?" Yeah. Do you really want to play a team and kind of set up yourself for failure? But that they way? get to go beat up on Baltimore. But the thing is, I mean, if you come manage in Toronto, you're expected to win. That's the expectation now. The Blue Jays aren't your 2001 Blue Jays anymore, no. where it's like, "Hey, we got 70 wins, We've had good a taste. for us." We had a taste of the playoffs. We were so close. Now we want to win. We're like, said, like the Red Sox and Yankees. We have very high expectations now. So I think managers are looking at that being like, hey, if I don't yeah. do my job here and I keep losing to the Yankees and Red Sox, I'm not going to stick around for too long. Managers want to go to a place where they're going to stick around. They're going to set up some roots. It's an in- it's going to be interesting <sighs> who they take. I thought we were going to spend like seven minutes on this conversation. 21 minutes. We've been talking about the Jays' manager opening. Can because, we talk about playoffs? Yeah, okay. Let's talk about playoffs, I guess. Because again, <laughs> we, we haven't really gotten anywhere at this no. whole this whole talk where we've gone around in a big circle. Yeah, after 21 minutes, we've learned as much as we did. Thanks for listening. Minutes ago. Hopefully, you're still there. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> um, okay, let's get to the uh, playoffs. First of all, which uh, series was more exciting for you guys, the Boston Houston one or the uh, Dodgers Milwaukee one? Even though one went seven games and one didn't. Did you feel a little underwhelmed by that Boston-Houston series? Yeah. Patrick? <laughs> no. If you look at the numbers, it's really not they're, – they're not that far apart. The problem that Houston ran into was that all their depth hitting from 6 through 9 just disappeared. It did. And the uh, Boston bullpen was so much better than the Houston bullpen. So yeah. I'll ask you this then, Patrick. Did Boston win that series or did Houston lose it? Um, well, I mean, the easy answer to that is both, but the truth be told, I think we, we had all kind of semi agreed that the bullpen was going to be the difference. Um, there were some really timely hits by Jackie Bradley Jr. And yeah. I think a lot needs to be said about how elite that outfield is. Oh, yeah. very. Uh, yeah, I think it's more of like the Red Sox winning it and it's because of their bullpen there were there were some like if you look at it like game two was seven to five the bullpen was the reason they won that game uh game four was close eight to six again uh the bullpen in boston was better and then mm-hmm. the four one win again um david price uh, had the best playoff game he's ever had yeah but the Boston bullpen again shut down all those depth hitters. Yeah, very true. I mean, there were some controversial moments in both of these championship series. Obviously, the Mookie Betts home run or not, yeah, in the outfield there. I still say home run, 
personally. I think so too, but <laughs> he ran into the stands. Yeah. It's it's in the rule book. Like that was way more obviously a home run than <laughs> 2016 the yep. stupid Amish kid in Kansas yep. City I posted a tweet on our, on our Twitter kid. about that I just had some serious flashbacks to to 2016 I think I, I don't think I slept that night because I was thinking about 2016 again but man that damn Amish kid your glove was over the wall anyway Mookie Betts was in the crowd like he was up high he it looked reminiscent of that Randall Gritchuk home run catch in Houston where he climbed jumped over the wall in right field but managed to come down with it um I, I couldn't believe it was it was overturned and called an out. I was dumbfounded. It was kind of like a CFL offensive pass interference review. I just never know what's going to happen anymore. <laughs> but uh, it's it, it was it was something. I I don't know. That was that was one of the defining moments in the series for me. I thought that was uh kind of almost a turning point. I think the turning point of that series again was that play. Yeah. Like just one of those plays that just it's a real boot in the berries. It just kicks you right in the dick. <laughs> like it, it's one of those things where it's like, oh man, we think we had this big momentum turning moment. Yeah. No, absolutely not. And it's just, it'd just be so frustrating for Houston because they didn't play bad baseball. It wasn't like they were being outplayed by the Boston Red Sox in every game. Every game was very interesting. I always found, or I found that in every single game there was always like that one moment where it was like a TSN turning point you moment. Could, you could feel it. Where Houston would do something stupid or, <laughs> again, Jackie Bradley Jr. would have a big hit. Raphael Devers in game Jackie five. Jackie Bradley Jr. just blends into the crowd with his Boston Red Sox team because there are so many big names like Mookie and J.D. Martinez and all these guys. Yeah. We just forget about JBJ. And he is fantastic. He is he's so a great outfielder. Freaking yeah. good. His hitting he's is gonna, very streaky. He's going to get paid soon. I if think he hasn't so. already gotten paid by the Red Sox, he will be getting paid somewhere. Uh, let's talk about the LA Milwaukee series. The better series. It was a better series, but I just kind of found that there wasn't a lot of crazy drama in this series. Manny Machado. Machado, yeah. Like the Machado stuff, I was about to say that Machado getting booed and Machado hitting the ankle. Yeah. There was that, you know. But like when it came to actual baseball okay. plays. Yeah, the catch in the outfield. Um, Chris Taylor yeah, yesterday with the eight, when the, or, in sorry, the uh, yeah in yeah. the eighth inning that was awesome. The Puig uh, home runs. Don't want to say I told you so, but I told you guys yeah, the you Puig did. was going to have yeah. a big series, and uh, he definitely did. What's a bigger story in this series, Manny Machado or Wade Miley pitching to one batter in Game Five yeah. and then being pulled? Just just to make the Astro or the Dodgers burn their left-handed batters in that yeah. game, put him in the lineup like that. That's kind of like a, a next-level move. <laughs> It didn't work out in that game, but I thought it was pretty crafty on the part of Craig mm-hmm. Council to put it in a, a right-handed pitcher for one batter and then yeah. bring in the lefty. But I don't know. That's the bull, bullpenning was a thing in this series again. Like Gio Gonzalez started two games and he pitched three innings total, and then they brought in Jesus. they bullpen the rest. Yeah, Patrick, what did you think of Milwaukee's strategy going into the series? Because again, they are a wacky team. They're not a conventional team. Super wacky. A lot of people picked them though to win it. Were they kind of underwhelming to you? And do you think they could have done things differently? Or no, I mean. You can't. It, it it went seven games. Yeah. I mean, it went as far as it could possibly go, even with their like uh, very unconventional, unorthodox strategies. <clears throat> I think what it can well, I mean, we talked about this again, like the last time we we talked. The bullpen did make a big difference. The hitting between these two teams, I still see it as being even. It was a dead heat. Uh, yeah, like I really, I'm very confused about. The game five, I there must be an injury or something. I don't know what I don't know. I don't no, get it. Wade Miley pitched game six. 
He started a game. Yeah, six. I know. I, I just I don't understand. It was a, it was a, it was a move a move purely based on getting the Dodgers to start all their left-handed batters so that they wouldn't have them coming off the bench later in the game. It was that's purely what it was. It was just a it was, it was it, Craig Council's playing 4D chess and we're all just here watching. Yes. <laughs> it's it, it's got to be something that I just can't un- understand as like a a member of the unwashed masses. I just I can't I don't get it. But anyway, yeah. There, the starting there. pitching of uh, Milwaukee wasn't really great. It didn't have to be. But like you said, Gio Gonzalez started two games, pitched three innings. Three innings. Yeah. So that's it's weird. That's why they lost. Yeah. Uh, they couldn't get they didn't get enough out of out of him. Their hitting was good, their pitching was dog shit. Like let's be honest here. Milwaukee's well, pitching wasn't the best. If you look at if you look at the team stats, their ERAs were separated by like point zero three. Mm-hmm. They're the and the the Brewers actually had a lower whip. They walked less Dodger batters. It was just timeliness of of the the implosions. The Dodgers got some big hits. Mm-hmm. Obviously the Puig home runs um and the yeah. catches. But it, it just seemed that the Dodgers made more highlight reel plays. And when when the Brewers hitters did show up, like Christian Yelich didn't have a great series average-wise. He got on base a ton because he walked five times. And he hit a home run to lead off or a home run in the first inning of, of Game 7. Yeah. But it was a solo home run. The yeah. Dodgers had guys on base. Like Puig had a couple of three-run bombs. Yeah. Um, and that, that was the difference in the series was the timeliness of the hits versus getting one run on a home run ball. Let's get I into, also can't. Okay, I can't believe how hot the Dodger bullpen was. Oh, I yeah. wrote them Spicy. off, especially with Kenley being hurt part of the year and then not looking super great in the games leading up to the championship series. But they shut me up. They were they were as good as they needed to be to win, and that was that was a big difference maker too. They were able to silence the big bats in like the later innings, like seventh, eighth, ninth. They were able to do it. So even with guys like Kiki Hernandez or Austin Burns or Max Muncy, like just like striking out at a rapid fire rate, yeah, they still like they just they leaned hard on uh, their big bats guys, yeah. and yeah, they were able to go in with like nerves of steel and just shut it down. That's like. That's going to be a huge storyline, I think, in the World Series. <laughs> Agreed. It seemed to me that Milwaukee's pitching was so bad because it wasn't clutch. Their pitching was bad in the wrong moments. Yeah, they got. I mean, they got some great performances from two guys in their yeah. bullpen. Hader and Knebel were unbelievable. Like both guys, like Knebel gave up one earned run in seven innings, and Hader had seven and two thirds scoreless, and he struck out twelve guys in yeah. four games. But in those big moments, their pitchers did yeah. not come to play. Jeffress fell apart in Game Seven yeah. when you needed to get a strikeout, when you needed to get a ground ball, they you couldn't, couldn't get give it. Up a home run. And that's what you get paid the big bucks for. Like yeah. you don't get oh, for paid sure. for Game Eighty Eight of the regular season. No, you get paid for the game big moments seven. in postseason, and you got to show up for that. So I really want to talk about Manny Machado here. Yeah, let's um, get to that. Is he a dirty player? Yes. Patrick? No. No. He has a history. What's his history? No. He's he in twenty fourteen he got in a bit of a stink with the athletics. Um there was a ball that was kind of thrown towards him and on the next pitch he swung and let go of his bat and it flipped the third baseline. Oh you yeah. Remember that? That was twenty fourteen. Yeah. And then he's had a couple of situations against the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. One where in twenty seventeen where he spiked Dustin Pedroia's calf in late April and injured him. Uh, on a slide to second base mm-hmm. to attempt to break up double play that was clearly 
a slide through the bag with his spike up in the air into the leg of Pedroia. Um, and then he also slid through, I believe it was on Bogarts on a, uh, on a shift. Bogarts was trying to turn two and Machado slid way wide of second base. And it was over, overruled on that one too. And then he had two in this series game three, where he slid wide on a obviously wide slide on second base that was overturned. Yeah. And then the clip of Aguilar is completely unavoidable at first base. Like the running lane to go to first is there for reasons that players hit the backside of the bag. Yeah. Machado is in fair territory when he's running there. He can be called out for that. Even if he wasn't out already, Mm. he can be put out for not running in his, in the running lane. And it was just, it was completely obvious that what he was doing was intentional. And I just, I have no, no place. Machado is a great baseball player, but he's a dumbass. Oh, he's a total dumbass. He's a he's a bad I would say a bit of a I'd say head. he's a dumbass, but he's not a dirty player. <laughs> yeah, the problem I is that he is. has a caveman brain, <laughs> and a lot of the things he just described were retaliatory. It's like Tom Wilson. No, but the the slides into second base are not retaliatory. Like the only one that there that was retaliatory was when he was thrown towards by Oakland. He was hit in the next game because he threw a bat towards their third baseman. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but there was no looking back at the replay of that game, like the the first pitch was just inside. It got away from the pitcher. Like they weren't trying to start anything with him there. He started the shit by throwing his bat on the next pitch and then he was honestly I... hit in retal- in retaliation. I just think Machado, he's got a bit of an ego. He knows he's a good yeah. baseball oh, yeah. player. And he lets that show that he, he feels like he can get away with a lot of this stuff. Like, but you can't clip a guy at first base. Like, that's just a dick move. Huge dick move. No reason to do that. And it's, it could lead to a huge injury, oh, too. Oh, yeah. You, you, can, you can rupture an Achilles. Yeah. It could break his ankle. It can do something like that. You could end a guy's career by doing that. The one thing a lot of people aren't talking about with Manny Machado is, and I'll let Patrick defend him here, but, but when he said he's not a hustle type of player. Yeah, that's... So he's been doing all of these other oh, shenanigans, man. like, uh, again, the breaking up double plays, hitting guys in the leg Throwing when bats. he's running to first. No one really noticed that comment, and it was kind of like, why aren't more people talking about this? Manny mm-hmm. Machado, I don't hustle down first. That's not how I play. That's how you should fucking play, man. <laughs> if I was, like, a team leader on the L.A. Dodgers, and we're getting some rental player who got traded Smack to our team, who's ass. not one of the boys. I know rental players and baseball clubhouses, they accept everyone. You know, you're part of the team when you get traded there. Mm-hmm. But he's technically an outsider. He wasn't with them for spring training. He didn't have the team bonding that everyone had. And your rental player is saying these things. Yeah. I would have lost it on this guy. No, you hustle. You're on the Dodgers now. We are expected to win the World Series. Everyone hustles. You don't just, just because you're Manny Machado doesn't mean you can just come out here and walk to first base. You can first. Like, I thought that was something that kind of flew under the radar because of the other incidents. Yeah. If that doesn't happen, like those two questionable calls, like yeah. when he's sliding into people, I think that's one of the headlines of the series, how he says he doesn't hustle. Who? What kind of ball player doesn't hustle? <laughs> like, that's the definition of being a ball player, hustling. I don't yeah. know, Patrick, defend your guy if you want to. He's not my guy. I just <laughs> oh, don't he's think he's a guy. dirty player. I think he's, I think he's a dumbass <laughs> who says dumbass things yeah. and occasionally does dumbass stuff out on the diamond. I don't think he's a dirty player. I do think that some of the things he's done on the field were retaliatory. None of them are justified. And he goes out there and just thinks that he has to respond by, I don't know, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what goes through an athlete's head when they do stupid shit like that. But, and I'm not gonna like pretend <laughs> that uh, that I understand Manny Machado. But I, I I don't think he's a dirty player. 
he's never has he ever deliberately injured anybody? Has he ever Dustin succeeded? Pedroia. No, Dustin Pedroia. But that's it. Well, yeah, but I mean, and then even then, like, it's hard to judge a player's uh, intent in the heat of the moment. I don't think it is. I mean, what's a good example of, like, a dirty baseball player, aside from Ty Cobb? Like, think modern times. Well, he was just a dummy, though. A-Rod. A-Rod. A-Rod was dirty. Yeah. (sighs) Say that, but I mean, like, (laughs) even then, did A-Rod ever deliberately injure anybody? No, he's just deliberately an asshole a lot of times, but... Yeah, oh, definitely. It's tough to be a dirty baseball player. While we're on the topic of, like, Pete Rose could have been considered dirty. He ran through a lot of catchers. That's true. Um, While we're on the topic of hustle, uh, just a brief segue, guys you always remember who hustled, Aaron Hill. He's got to be up there. Remember when he would take a walk? Yeah. It was a headlong, head-down sprint to first base. Yeah. Didn't take anything. Dustin Pedroia much the same way. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are the kind of ballplayers, like, people have a ton of respect for guys like Dustin Pedroia. Aaron Hill's hustle almost cost him his career, though. Yeah. Remember when he hustled out there to get that fly ball? Because he's a hustle kind of guy. He's yeah. never going to give up on one. Right. And then he just collided. collided. I forget with who, but yeah. Man, Aaron Hill had so much potential before his concussions. Before his CTE. Um, yeah. Let's talk about um, our questions that we asked ourselves during the championship series before we get to the World Series. Sure. We'll kind of break that down. Yeah. Um, here's the question. Here are the questions that we asked ourselves. Does Clayton Kershaw have a strong series? And he, had, he did. He had one good game, one yeah. so-so game. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think he was. He did what he had to do. Patrick, if you're a manager, do you trust Clayton Kershaw in the playoffs? I mean, you kind of have to. <laughs> yeah. Has whole, he exercised his playoff demons, though? Like, I mean, yeah, but not in a way. Like, Let's see what happens with this series yeah, yeah, before we answer that question. There were some stats posted. I, I don't remember exactly what they were, but over the last three postseasons, Kershaw has pitched like 90 innings, and his ERA is around three and a half. Mm-hmm. That's solid. That's that's elite in the playoffs. Yeah. One of the other questions we asked, will the Brewers' rotation hold up against the power of the Dodgers? No. They didn't do terrible. The Dodgers only hit six home runs in seven games. The Brewers hit five. Almost a home run a game, though. You don't want that. Yeah, that's 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 major league average, though. That's true. And against uh, a team like the Dodgers, maybe, yeah. The rotation, maybe not so much. The bullpen was okay. Like you had, like we said, we talked about Canevel and yeah. Hader. Um, but obviously, they didn't really use a conventional rotation. I mean, they had four games where they had the starter go two or less innings. Yeah. So, yeah. And then who hits more home runs, Boston or Houston? I don't have the stats in front of me, but... Uh, yeah, I believe it was Boston, but I'm going to look that up right now. I mean, just based on Jackie Valley Jr. and yeah. Devers. <laughs> All right. So we'll, let's, we'll, get the, we'll confirm yeah, that. Yeah, though. let's put that away. And let's talk about the World Series coming up here. Red Sox, Dodgers. It's what the MLB execs wanted. The ratings are going to go through the roof Yay, for this thing. Big um, market teams. Before we make our predictions, let's ask some questions about that. Um, who is going to break first, Craig Kimbrell or Kenley Jansen? Patrick? Who the Astros uh, actually out homered them six to five? Hmm. There you go. <laughs> I don't. I think it's going to be n- neither. I think they'll both play almost identically. It'll be the guys before them that are going to be the ones that break, and I think it's going to be uh, the Dodgers whose bullpen is going to break first. I think it's going to be Kimbrel. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Kimbrel has been flirting with disaster. For a while now. Like, Kimbrel's had some lucky outings where the defense has kind of bailed him out. Anytime. But also, 
I'm just really hoping for a Red Sox collapse. So I, I still really think, hope. I still think Boston well. wins the series. But yeah, well, we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> will the Dodgers outfielders be able to figure out the weird angles and dimensions of Fenway because they don't play there a lot? They, they've never played there. None of them have. None of them have played at Fenway None Park. Of them have a it's inning. a tough Not a single inning to figure out. Yeah, especially with the high fly balls. So when there's like line drives that bounce off the fence, there mm-hmm. you can kind of play it off there. But when it hits high, you don't know if it's if it's kind of a lob fly ball that hits the top of the fence, it's going to kind of loop back. Well, but if you of, hit a uh, screamer off that wall, it's going to come flying back. Like Think of the triangle area in center field. They yeah. have, and they have pesky pole. The bullpen juts out into mm-hmm. right field. It's a weird-ass ballpark. I bet you Puig fucks up royally once. Over-under right on outfield errors, too. Over-under. Over. I'm going to say, I'll say even. I'll take the even well, on what's that. What's with you guys in pushing? First, Patrick with the pitching, now you? <laughs> Jeez. Patrick, what do, you, what do you think about those outfielders for the Dodgers? I mean, these guys are professional athletes. There's no way they haven't done their homework. There's no way the management hasn't done their homework and the coaches. I think it'll be a non-issue. It won't even be a story. No one will talk about it after game one or whatever the first game they play at Fenway is. Manny Machado is a pro baseball player, and you'd expect all pro baseball players to hustle, but (laughs) here we are. Hey-oh. So uh, which park (laughs) sees more home runs, Fenway or Dodger Dodger Stadium? I mean, is that a real question? Yeah, it Fenway. is. I, I, I right. they have those balls fly to the ravine in, in LA though. Like, there's a lot of home run balls in LA. It's Fenway. I'm, I'm with Patrick on this one. This is a no it's, question here. I'm it's gonna go. Fenway. Fenway. I'm, I'm taking Dodger Stadium on this one. Fenway is home run central. Like, you yeah. see nothing but bombs at Fenway. <laughs> it's easily Fenway. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go opposite this time. You're just, just doing that to stir shit up. No, over I, here. I, I have a legit belief that there are gonna be a ton of home runs at Dodger Stadium I, this year. You know series. what? It makes for good radio, so I don't even care. So um, <laughs> that's what all program directors say to their radio teams. Yeah, they're always like, "You gotta disagree, even if you uh, both agree on some on something." One of you has to pick I the can't. other topic and debate it. Yeah. And it's tough. Like if, yeah. if you feel really passionate about something and you're like, hey, you have to disagree with it, it sucks. Um, anyway, last question. Better series, uh, Kershaw or Sale? Sale. Kershaw. I almost want to push here and say they're both going to have bad series. Ooh. Oh, what? Clayton, you just criticized Justin. I know. That. That's why I wanted to d- disagree. <laughs> Good radio, guys. Why don't you come on? Jeez. Um, no, I would say um, I'm saying Kershaw because something's up with Chris Sale right now. What was yeah. that belly button story that came out about? Yes, he, he has a belly button ring infection. It's, it's. I don't think it's true, but that was. I read that on Deadspin, and I was like, "This is fake, right?" Is like, this the this onion? Is, this is fucking <laughs> fake. He's got a belly button ring infection. I don't think that's the case. Something's up with Chris Sale. I don't know. Yeah. Something's kind of weird with him. Uh, I think Kershaw. This is the year he kind of finally figures it out. He's been looking a lot better than he has been in playoffs past. Um, another better series here. Bets or Puig. This would be like a no question a month ago. Yeah, Mookie Betts has been kind of cold this playoffs, but I think he w- wakes up under the under the bright lights of the World Series and has a great series. I'm going to take Mookie in this one. Patrick? I'm going with Puig because Puig is going to be the MVP. I'm Puig. taking Puig as well. Puig's hot. Puig, your friend. Puig's hitting bombs. Like Puig is going to be taking advantage of uh, Fenway Park. I don't know, something about Yasiel Puig. I, again, I kind of called it. Don't want to toot my own horn here. But I kind of called Yusil Puig going off because, man, the guy is a boss. But he is an idiot. He is in that idiot classification. He is borderline cement head. We won't put yeah. him in the cement head he's, category yet, but he's close to being a cement a, he's head. A, he's, in the, he's in the ballpark. Yeah. 
Yeah. Huh. Baseball puns. Because of our baseball podcast. All right, let's hear predictions. Uh, who's taking the series and how many games? Patrick, you're batting leadoff. It's going to be the Dodgers, and it's going to be seven games because I both my picks are gone. I don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, ideally, a giant meteorite will just crash down in Dodger Stadium and neither team will win. But... I almost turned off your mic the way you said Dodgers like that. The Dodgers. Uh, you said it like kind the of like Dodges. how like like a girl who doesn't care about sports but is pretending to care about sports <laughs> to seem cool. How many games, Patrick? Seven. Seven. Ooh. Clayton. I'm gonna take the Dodgers in five. I bet you the Red Sox implode. I'm hoping so, and I don't know why. I, I, well, I do know why. I hate the Red Sox, but I don't know why. I have a feeling that Boston's gonna implode. Maybe because I want it to happen. But I have a sense that uh, the Dodgers take it this year. The Do- Again, it's not like the Dodgers are slouch. The Dodgers are loaded, just like yeah. the Boston Red Sox. And I just kind of feel that when two loaded teams play against each other, one of them always implodes. And I'm I, taking, just think, I think that's the Red Sox. I'm sticking with my uh, pre-playoff prediction that I'm the only one who still has anybody left in this. Uh, Boston winning the World Series in five games. Mm. All right. Well, friends, I think that's it. Do we want to discuss anything else? Do we miss anything? Any other candidates for the Jays' managerial job come to uh, mind when we're talking? Or? I'd like to throw my name in the ring if anyone's listening. Uh, I think I know one or two things about baseball, maybe one. So you're an I, umpire. Yeah. So you like, should know way more than two things about baseball know, if you're an umpire. The one thing I know is the rule book. Well, yeah. That's, that's the one thing. So you know the rules of baseball. You're there. <laughs> hey, I know some advanced <laughs> stats. Yeah. You're fine. Hey, look at that. Okay, I know how to talk on a microphone, so yeah. I'd be good at media interviews, too. There's Man, three Scott things I could do. Scott Show and Mice, Billy Koch, co-managers. Hmm. That's a horrible oh, idea, my. guys. That was a joke. That, I, can, I can sense Patrick's disgust. That's the worst thing I've ever heard. I can sense Patrick's disgust. I heard him. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm completely speechless yeah. after that. Uh, uh, speaking of speechless, the disgusting exhales. Uh, Justin, you had two. Patrick, you had four. Sweet. Oh, we're not we're not done yet. We're not done yet. <laughs> what what, what, what do not, we got left? What do we have left? Yeah. Well, look, I want to go back to this other story we talked about earlier. <clears throat> How big a deal is Manny Machado going to be in this series? Is he going to be a non-factor or how long before he does something, like, really stupid? Is this his audition tape for the New York Yankees 2019 shortstop job? No. Not. They, no. Can you imagine if they got no. Bryce Harper and Manny Machado? I don't want to imagine that. Um, the world would have there'd be nothing left to live for yeah, at that point. Screwed. I think Harper. Oh, the, pre- the pressure would be at an all-time high, which means if they don't pull it off, it's just that much more satisfying when they fail. That's also true. I, as much as I like seeing the Yankees lose, it's even more exciting to watch them lose when they have such a good team. Ugh. I don't think Manny Machado has a good series. I don't know. Call me crazy. This is his first World Series, right? Obviously. He's, he's never hit been to so one. many times in Fenway, though. He knows all about that he ballpark. He does. He does have an advantage there, but he's just, there's a lot going on with him. He's human. It's not like he's one of these guys who can ignore all of these things being said about him. I bet you he's kind of reading what's being said about him. Oh, I bet sure. you he's, he's kind of a little emotional right now. And I I don't know. You, you, you got to put those emotions he's aside. He's probably sometimes. got screenshots of all these news articles as, as his pictures on his Tinder profile right yeah. now. Just. I don't know. I don't think Manny Machado. I don't have a good feeling about okay. Manny Machado. Under, underrated thing about Manny Machado, though, he's he's got to be giving these Dodger hitters a look at the Boston pitching staff. Yeah, that's these are a like guys like get. Sale and Price yeah. that he's like he's seen Price for his whole career in the yeah. AL East. 
Every season, yeah, he's Price. he's the ringer on the Dodger in the Dodger lineup. I didn't but really think about that until just now that you brought it back I, up. I, I do. I think he will do something stupid. Yeah. Uh, it won't be like a bat throw, or he won't clip anyone, or he won't like deliberately slide in. But he's either gonna like charge the mound or something like stupid. Yeah. But I I think the way to negate him is to just pitch around him if you walk him. You know, you know he's not gonna hustle, so fuck it. Put him on base, force you know, force the next guy in the lineup to uh, to try to drive him in, which is probably gonna be Puig, and I think Puig is gonna hit like at least three home runs over the monster. There's a guy we haven't really talked about at all today, uh, who's a pretty good ball player, J.D. Martinez. Does kind he of ha- forgot about does him. Does he have a big series? He's batting. Uh, let's see what his postseason batting stats are right now. Probably pretty good. He's batting 313 in the postseason. He's got two home runs. He's always good. That's the thing about JD Martinez. You just always expect him to be good. He doesn't really have slides. He doesn't like he's just always on a hot streak, it seems like. Yeah. I mean that Boston lineup is scary so deep. good. It, yeah. It's crazy with, with Betts and Martinez near the top and having Xander Bogarts and if Jackie Bradley Jr. continues to show up. Mitch Moreland's been pretty clutch for them all season. I got yeah, it. They're gonna crumble. They How many home pack. runs in this series are we gonna see? Like, are Lots. we gonna like? Is it gonna be over over twenty? That'd be ten apiece. No. We've only seen it. We saw eleven home runs in each of the championship series. Yeah, I wouldn't say twenty, but I'd say like fifteen-ish. Fifteen-ish. We'll get yeah. to. There's gonna be a lot of bombs. This team, like, both these teams have power, but again, I just think I don't, something about the Red Sox tells me they're gonna crumble. It just seems. I I think we're gonna have one laugh, or like we had with the Red Sox being the Yankees, like whatever thirteen to one or whatever yeah. it was in that one game in the in the DS. I think we'll have one game like that where one team's just going to hit like five bombs and it's just going to be Go like off. a gong show. Yeah. It, it could be game one. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, with that, friends, I uh, I think that just about wraps things up for episode 20. Bathrooms Maple Dips. 20. I know. Big 2-0. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that fun stuff. BFMD Podcast. We're trying to get our next Opia, guys. We're trying. We've sent emails, faxes. They won't respond to us. Uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, TuneIn, Stitcher. Weird saying Stitcher every time. Still don't know what it is. <laughs> Whatever. I probably should learn what it is, but that's fine. Uh, give us a follow. Subscribe. Like all that stuff so we can get more famous and buy stuff. Yeah, we want money. Yeah, we want money. Money, please. Great ending. Um, (laughs) I'm Clayton Croker, Justin Anderson, Patrick Marsh. Thanks for listening. We will uh, talk to you next week. Ah!